The following audio is from Axe Church Northwest in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit axechurchnorthwest.com. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. All right, so a word that we don't use too often uh, in our culture is lament. Right? Lament. And and as I look at uh, the Psalms and as I look at the Psalms of sadness and and the lamentations that, that God's people share, I see that it's something deep, deep inside of them. A lot of times it's something external that they're seeing or experiencing in their lives, but it has very internal heartache and they feel it internally. Right? And this is, uh, so, so I think about laments and those kind of deep uh, heartaches, and it's kind of foiled against some of our first world problems, right? So what happens when you're running late in the morning and you can't find this? It's all over, right? You're like, oh my goodness. Or you're, you're digging around and you can't find your keys. Or for me, most recently, I just bought a, um, got some new tech uh, a couple of months ago. I, I bought a Blu-ray player, right? But it's a Blu-ray player with a combination DVD player. I guess they all do that, but I was really excited because I hadn't had a Blu-ray player yet. And uh, I, I set it up and I pop the movie in and I go to hit go and I see the little light comes on, no input, I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I'm getting all frustrated. It was my day off, and I want to watch a movie. And, and I'm like, no input. And I'm like, looking. I'm opening the box. And I'm like, oh, it didn't come with an HDMI cord. I'm like, what? I mean, oh, I was just, yeah, uh, you know? First world problems. Unplug it from the one thing, put it in the other thing, we're good, right? First world problems. Not the ideal for things that should cause deep heartache and lamentations. Uh, let's foil that with real-world problems. I've got a bunch of friends in Minnesota, and there's a large, large Somali population there. And, and last week, or maybe a week and a half ago, they were teaming together. Uh, some of my friends that are a part of uh, churches and a part of God's church, and they, and they were teaming up with these um, Somali immigrants that have been here because Somalia has uh, been a war-torn country for years. And right now they're going through famine. And famine... It's a real world problem. Like it's a painful problem when people don't have access to food and to water. Uh, this, you, many of you guys have seen this uh, or, or you're watching it now. There's a slow drift sometimes 
that happens with marriages. And that can be a real world problem. Or if you look around our country, um, we have some deep racial issues in our country. Living in St. Louis for four years uh, brought that out to me. Um, I was doing campus ministry, and our primary population uh, was first or second generation college students. Uh, Most of them were African American or immigrants. And this was before Ferguson happened. And so we'd sit in this um, house and talking about uh, what is it, how do you experience walking down the street? And I didn't think twice about it. And they were like, oh, well, I can't wear this, this, or this, or wear my hair like this. I have to wear really bright colored stuff and always have a smile on my face. And I'm like, oh, we have very different experiences and different uh, prejudices that we have. I was like, oh, wow. That is a real world problem. So how do we take the real world problems and, and understand them in their context? And how do we take the, the first world problems or the luxury problems of not having an HDMI cable or forgetting your keys? Uh, well, I want to put two things kind of against each other. I want to put a, la- a lament or a lamentation on one side, and I want to contrast it with grumbling, Right? You guys all know what the grumblers are like. We all have those people in our life that you're like, come on, I don't want to talk to them. I'm going to go over here. So uh, yeah, laments and grumbling. So a a lament or a a lamentation oftentimes makes a request. And a grumble or grumbling oftentimes makes an accusation. We see this in our uh, scripture, in in Psalm 55, 1. Listen to my prayer, O God. Don't ignore my plea. God, listen to me. Don't ignore me. That, that's a lament. The writer, David, he's making a request. God, God, I just want you to hear me. Hear my prayer. And I want to say, okay, so that's a lament. So what is a grumble? Well, how does a grumble make an accusation? Well, in, when, when God's people were walking around in the desert, they were a grumbling bunch. In Exodus 17, uh, but the people grumbled against Moses because it was hot and they were in the desert. And it says, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Like, Okay, I get that. You're in slavery. Moses brings you out, and you're like, okay, we're good now. No, no, they had to wander and get thirsty and eat manna and follow around this person who probably you didn't think had a plan. And so what do they do? They grumbled, uh, and they made accusations. Why did you do this to me? Right? So if you can think about this with hands, and we can, we can maybe this is the thing that we take away today, uh, a lament has hands that look like this. It's a request. God, hear my prayer. And grumbling looks like this. Pointed fingers. What? You did this to me. That's, that's one of the ways, a lament versus a grumble. Second way is the lament is filled with sorrow. Rachel in Jeremiah 31 says this, Or it says this, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children, and she refuses to be comforted for her children because they're no more. If you've ever felt loss 
or, or know that loss is coming, it fills you with sorrow. And grumbling, on the other hand, is just filled with anger. Think again to those the wandering uh, Hebrew people. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? There's accusation there, but you can almost hear it in the voice. It's almost palpable when you, when you pick up the text. There's a big angry herd, and there's Moses. Why did you bring us out of here? You're going to make us die. You're going to make our kids die. You're going to make all our livestock, which is you're going to kill our bank account. There's accusation, and there's anger. And a lot of times when either we grumble or people around us grumble, a lot of times it can be really self-righteous too. Uh, so a grumbly can be self-righteous, but a lament is often repentant. It's got a little more humility to it. One of my favorite psalms is uh, Psalm 139. Some of you might, might know that. And it reads this. It says, Search me, O God, and know me. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That psalm goes on, it talks about God knitting us together in our mother's womb. And there's a lot of beauty in that psalm. But when the person writes, when the writer writes that psalm, he says, search me, God, know me, know my thoughts, know, know all of me. And he's humble, or he or she is humble. He says, see if there's a, a fault in me, see if there's a grievous way in me. And if there is, show me the right way to go. There's repentance and humility with a lamentation. Jude, a book in the New Testament, uh, verse 16 says, These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Grumbling can be self-righteous because you're like, something's not right here and it should be because I'm me. Right? I think... Lamenting is really important for us to talk about because as Christians, we need to know how to lament. We need to know how to be sad at the times we're supposed to be sad. Because if it's an external thing or something that's happened or something we're experiencing, oftentimes, uh, well, all the times, that's not how God intended it to be. God's plan was for us to, to walk with Him in shalom, in peace, in wholeness. And when we lament, we're saying something's not right with this world. There's sin in this world, and we're experiencing some pretty nasty effects of that. So, so don't, be, don't push lamenting down, because lamenting, uh, and lamenting is part of our humanity, where we live, where there's sin that we bump into, and we can say, this isn't good. Some of this stuff isn't good. So we're going to look at how uh, David, he's, he has a pretty rough experience that, that leads him into this psalm. Uh, so you can follow along with me, uh, verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Listen to me, is what he's saying. And hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Don't ignore me. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of my enemy. Because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. 
This all sounds like real spiritual language, but here's what was happening. Uh, David, this psalm is tied to 2 Samuel 15. And in 2 Samuel 15, uh, David is going through a rough spot. He's got a son named Absalom who wants some revenge. And he wants some... He's going for it. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about if you really want to hold a grudge, you just keep on remembering and you demand repayment. This is what his son was doing. So Absalom is, is David's son, the, the king, and he's like, I'm going it's, it's, to have a coup. I am going to kick him out and I'm going to hurt him because I'm demanding uh, revenge and I'm remembering this and I want repayment. So Absalom being a very political, this is like straight out of House of Cards, if you watch that, or any political thriller. He, he aims to hurt his dad and undermine him. So what does he do? He goes to his dad's buddies. And Absalom calls for Ahithophel. Not a name you want to name your kid. Ahithophel. And this is one of David's key friends and advisors. And he, he basically starts a coup. I'll read you what David, how he feels about this. It's, uh, it's in verses 12 through like 14. It says, for it's not an enemy who taunts me. He's talking about Ahithophel. He's like, it's not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. I could hide from him, but it's you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. It hurts. When I first read this, I was like, oh, this is, this is talking about a buddy. Like this wasn't just a, a person, an enemy, somewhere where he expected it. This was, this was close to him. And he says, we used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house, we walked in the throng. So if you've ever had like a really awesome community group or small group or Bible study or someone that was with, with you in a hard time and walked you through it, that's who this person is that David's talking about. He's like, man, we used to pray to Jesus together. You were in my prayer group. We sought wise counsel together. We were like this. Like I, I could stand this if this was my enemy, but it's not. It's, it's you. And that hurts. So David, his, uh, his son was plotting against him. His key friend Ahithophel uh, betrayed him. And the people seeing uh, the, Absalom is working to take the people away from David as well. This is not a good situation. Maybe you guys have felt something like that. Maybe high school seems rough or middle school seems rough or maybe it's in a, a work environment when it's, when it's everything that I was hoping for or, or all my supports, are, it feels like they're gone. You know, even it's like David saying, hey, I can't even trust family anymore. My son's after me. And then the people I, I back up, I, I lean on after that, he, my, my, my son has got them against me. He's like, I don't know where to go. And he didn't know where to go. The people were running away from him. So where does he turn? He turns not to his enemies, and we need to know who those are, but, but he turns to his God. 
But before we get to that, uh, let's just be blunt. Like when I read enemy in, in um, the Psalms, I often kind of wonder, okay, if I'm supposed to be reading this, it's 2017, who are my enemies, right? I don't have a son who's aiming to like kill me. My buddies haven't betrayed me. The people aren't leaving. So who, who's my enemy? There's no one knocking on my door with like a, a bow and arrow or something. So who are my enemies? Um, well, in scripture, we see three. We see one is the world. And that can be other, other people, right? It's like sometimes there's other people that are just gunning for you. And it's just kind of rough. To be honest, though, number two is our, our flesh, because Adam and Eve sinned, we inherit a, a sinfulness, and we oftentimes can be our own worst enemy. It's like Paul says it. He's like, hey, I want to do the good things that I want to do, but, but I don't do those things. And the stuff I don't want to do, I tend to go down that track and keep doing those things. And it's like, oh, man, that's so true. Like, I can be my own worst enemy sometime. But, but our ultimate enemy is a spiritual enemy, and we don't talk about that that often. And that's the devil and his demons. And that's our real enemy. And it's real and he's gunning for you and he wants to crush you. And he wants to crush me. And Paul, a writer in the New Testament, says, Hey, for we wrestle, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we, uh, but we wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil. And there can be all sorts of these enemies that, that are facing us. And what do we do with that? Well, we do what David did, and, and we go to God. So Psalm 55, verse uh, 4 and 5, kind of shares how he was feeling about this. And his language is just so, it's, just think about this guy feeling on the out. My heart is in anguish within me. The tears of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. That external situation that has come inside of him is, is causing a very real reaction, right? Maybe your external situation that's, that's not good is causing a real internal reaction in, in your life or someone that you know. Uh, who has ever... I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we're... Anyone here been to the hospital and seen the pain scale? Yeah? This is the pain scale, if you haven't had the pleasure of sitting there, and they're like, how do you feel? Uh, before emojis, we had this. And they would come up, a doctor or a nurse would come up and say, usually in the inventory time or right before you see them, they would say, how are you feeling? And you give it a 1 to 10 on how you feel. And um, I think the closest, I I've, might have been at a seven once. But I don't know. Maybe not. I don't think eight, nine, or ten. I was telling Krista yesterday, or a couple days ago, I was like, I would rather be injured than sick. Because I am a bad, sick person. I just don't like it. I don't like feeling crummy. I'd rather be injured, because it's like, that'll, that'll get fixed. But feeling crummy is just like, oh, it's never going to end. Because it, it feels like it doesn't. Anguish, the word here, 
is like on that side of the pain scale. It's also the word they use for childbirth. I don't want to talk about that, but I have a buddy who's had a kidney stone. And I was, you know, we could sit down and and really have a deep conversation about kidney stones. And I'm not trying to compare them. I've heard the pain you feel here is the same pain you feel here or or similar. But I'm not going to get into that because I've never experienced either. But he said, Barrett, I've had a kidney stone. And I was like, dude, I've heard that's really bad. You just sit down there with a, a gallon of water and you just start drinking because you have to get rid of this thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And it, it hurts really, really bad. And you just keel over and it's terrible. And he said it was, he, he used the word agonizing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, that's like legit. You're, you're in some pain. This is the word that David is using. I'm in anguish. The other words he uses are, is there's fear and trembling and horror and terror. Remember, all the people are gone. Son, family, can't trust them. Trust advisors, can't trust them. He, he's, terror has come into his life. And terror for, for each of us in here has come into our life, right? You might not have experienced terror like all the news things we see now, but, but terror happens physically sometimes, but it also happens mentally for us. It's hard for me to go to a baseball game and not wonder what would happen if the worst happened. Or I was at a pastor's conference, and I was like, what would happen if this building went down? And that's like the mental terror. And sometimes like we know what that feels like if we've never, if we, even if we've only seen it on TV. He knew what that felt like in his head. So with all of these things, whether it's anguish, terror, fear, trembling, or horror, he's taking it to God. And this, this is his initial response. His initial response is in verse six through eight. It says, and I say, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, and I would fly far away and be at rest. That reminds me of Forrest Gump, doesn't it? Little Jenny is out in the field. Her terrible dad is calling for her because he's a terrible dad. And she's like, God, make me a bird so I can get away from here. And that's one of our responses. Like, right, when, when we're backed into a corner, there's fight and there's flight right? We have fight and flight. And at this point, David's like, I want to fly out of here. This is terrible. Get me away. But for you and I, uh, sometimes it can be an appropriate response, but sometimes it can be a bad response, especially when we're dealing with with, uh, things that are bigger than us. A fight sometimes can be foolish. You know, a fight, it can just be a bad place to go because there are some things that are just too big for us. I was sitting having lunch with someone this week who had struggled and, and fought with his uh, alcoholism and, and got through that. Things like addiction and, and what he was doing was um, he was trying to help people see that, with, yeah, there's a 12-step program, but, but step three, um, I believe it's step three, someone's going to Correct me after, whatever. Uh, but but the, the one where you have a higher power, he's like, that's not just a higher power. He was making that connection to Jesus. And that's kind of what his life and his ministry are about. But he's, addiction is bigger 
than us. Whether it's uh, alcohol or pornography or uh, food or uh, all sorts of things, heroin, like which is growing in our area, and that's crazy. Um, addiction is bigger than one person, and so we need help from that. Uh, flight can be cowardly sometimes, and let's be honest, sometimes you can't fly away fast enough. It'll chase you down, and it will consume you. And this is what our spiritual lives look like. I, I, yes, we're called to like fight our sin and, and put up barriers and, and lean in to uh, God's guidance, but flying away from our sin on our own doesn't work. We need Jesus for that. We need him to intercede and take it away. So that's his initial response is, hey, let me get out of here. Uh, what he comes to the hoe, he says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. It's like, I call to God and Yahweh will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and my moan and he hears my voice. The psalmist knows that he can lean on his God. Everything else has faded away, and he can lean on God. And, and sometimes, if you're not in this spot, or, or you've been through this spot, you, and you know this spot is in the past, or maybe it's right now, or maybe you just know that it's coming in the future, let me just say that lament is sometimes a beautiful reaction of faith. And sometimes our faith needs to look a lot like lamenting. You can have fight or flight, but I want to offer up when it's something that you can't handle, go to faith. But I know there's a little secret. None of us like to be whiny. <laughs> and, and a lot of us don't like to be whiny even in our prayer life because we've been, it's been beaten into us that we're American and we can do it on our own. Uh, so let me just reassure you that there's a couple, three things that are okay to do. And God invites you to do this with him. First one, cry, okay? It's okay to cry. Let's just get that out in the open. It's okay to cry at funerals when terrible news happens. Uh, it's okay to cry when other people are going through junk. It's just okay. It's good. God wired us that way. He wired us that way like medically. I was doing some research on crying and it like releases toxins and kills bacteria. It improves your vision, makes your mood better. Uh, it relieves stress. And I don't know how this works, but some doctor in the journal said it improves communication. I don't know. But it's okay to cry. We see David doing it all over. He says, I cry out in distress. <sighs> yeah. Uh, second thing, it is okay to ask for sin and evil to be thwarted. I have to use that word because it's a good word. It's okay for sin and evil to be thwarted. And it's okay for you to ask him that. David says, but you, O oh God, will bring down the wicked. I generally go towards, hey, let's just fix it, right? Hey, somebody's complaining about this. Let's fix it. Uh, God, how can, we, how can we fix this? 
Human trafficking, let's try to fix that. Uh, terrorism, let's fix that. Greed, fix it. Corruption, fix it. Well, some of these things are bigger than one or two or a country or a, a world's issues. So it's okay to go to the person who can take those things away and say, will you take these things away? And then it's okay to trust that, that one day he will. Third thing is uh, be persistent. I don't know if you caught it in that last verse that I read, uh, Psalm 55, 17. It says, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. And he hears my voice. Those are the normal times to pray for a, a Hebrew uh, person following God. Evening, morning, and at noon. And when, when he prayed, he was, like, he was saying, I, I utter my complaint and I moan. Like he was just, he wasn't grumbling, but he was putting his, his complaint in the right spot. Don't be afraid to lament. See your God. Maybe this sermon is just one you kind of put back when that time comes, or maybe that's where you're at right now. But don't be afraid to lament, because a lament always trusts God. A lament inherently is trusting God. And you can do that because He loves you. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. David, with no family and no advisors and everything was going away, talked to the only person that could sustain him. And I invite you to do that uh, when... The, the, the craziness happens. I invite you to do that with your sins because on this cross, Jesus sustains you by taking your sins away. And maybe you're extremely happy and exuberant. Well, still take that happiness and that exuberance and take it to Jesus because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Sadness is a hard topic when our culture and society doesn't like to look at it. Lamenting um, can put us in a spot where people don't want to be around us. But would you give us the faith to share our laments with you? Would you allow us to be honest with you and truthful with you and do that out of faith because we know that you hear us. And the Sometimes our faith just needs to look like lamenting because we live in an imperfect world. And until the day you come back, we will hope and trust in you. Looking forward to that day when you will restore all things to how you want them to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from Axe Church Northwest. To stay connected, visit axechurchnorthwest.com.